0: Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to another new episode of Interview Under Fire. Sunny here with Brittany Slays. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today in IUF. A big month for you and the guys over at Unleash the Archers with the release of Abyss coming out August 21st on Napalm Records. Congratulations on all the well-deserved amazing reviews and recognition it's been getting. Before we get to all that, I'm going to ask a very important question and I think it's a very overlooked question for the last 6 months. How are you? <laughs> how have, you know, how have things been for you guys since our lives have pretty much changed back in March and you're in Vancouver, is that correct? Yes, yeah. Yeah, how how's life for you guys right now out there?
0: I mean it's it's they're trying to return things to normal slowly of course um we didn't get hit too hard over here put a lid on it right away we closed the border we um we you know didn't even allow interprovincial travel for a little while there and um and yeah it, we we put everything into lockdown and everyone was really good about it and it was really crazy cuz uh when when Scott and I got out of our quarantine after returning back from tour because the whole thing happened right in the middle of a tour that we were on.
1: Yeah, Um, with Dragon Force.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. After we did our 14 days, we were kind of like, oh, you know, we need to get out. And so we just were walking the streets a little bit and they were absolutely empty and it was the coolest thing ever. And uh, But it was also pretty creepy to see Vancouver completely um, empty. So it was, um, yeah, it was definitely interesting. The first few weeks were really hard. Uh, When we got back from the tour it was just kind of like okay you know what we we're, we're going to get this thing under control and we're going to we're going to be able to be back out on the road you know by september or something and uh or or you know is the the festivals are going to be okay everything is going to be okay and slowly we just watched everything be destroyed all the c- cancellations uh one after another for the festivals that we had booked this summer and the tour that we had booked in the fall and the tour that we were working on for the fall were like completely delayed and and um, uh, pushed aside so it was just it was really hard for the first couple of weeks there uh i basically just kind of stared at the wall <laughs> for about
1: yeah like all of us did <laughs>
0: yeah and i couldn't even i just couldn't even do i couldn't even do anything i had zero motivation i was really just basically staring into the abyss um and then uh, napalm kind of knocked on my door and was like hey Britt, uh we have like things to do (laughs) can you start answering your emails please and so i was like all right a record okay uh i'm i'm back i'm back i promise (laughs) and then that's just been crazy from there yeah
1: man you pretty much summed everything up you know it Staying busy during this time, it's, it's definitely challenging, and you kind of just nailed it on the head right there. I didn't even know if I was doing podcasts six months ago, or I can't believe it's already six months, you know, because usually, obviously, we'd be doing, doing these in person if you guys did come to Dallas, and we would arrange something like that, and, but th- that's how it worked. You know, being at home like all of us are during these current times, it's almost like we're kind of – this is like the new norm now. How are you keeping up your vocals? Is that affecting your musicianship, if at all? I'm. I'm. Do you live in a place where you can just crank it up and sing as much as you want without the neighbors yelling?
0: <laughs> not, not really. I kind of made myself a little studio here with awesome. um, some acoustic paneling and that kind of thing. And uh, this room backs onto the elevator, so I don't have, and and it's kind of like in the center of our apartment, so I don't have anyone around us. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's been good that way but i haven't really i mean i've done some singing and warming up in here and that kind of thing but um for the most part actually scott and i were just going to our jam spot and jamming because we could um because we're you know we live together we could go where you know that together and not have to worry about um being in other people's bubbles or anything like that so there was no one at the jam spot we basically had the whole building to ourselves (laughs) And uh, we would go in there, yeah, like three, four nights a week. And um, Andrew always makes demos of the songs, So we would just, uh, like with his guitar. So we would just play along to the demos and try and keep it up. <clears throat> we were pretending that the festivals were still going to happen. So we were trying to be, you know, remain prepared for that. In that case that, that, that they did happen. Um, but which, of course, you know, they didn't. So. Right. But we were ready to rock for that uh, european metal festival alliance live stream and for the live stream that we're going to be doing the day after the record comes out so yeah just uh trying to stay in shape as much as possible but for a little while there yeah i didn't uh, i didn't do anything just kind of took a little breather and said uh, you know okay just gonna have some me time
1: <laughs> i think all of us pretty much did that same thing because once Uh, I remember the day the pandemic was announced, uh, it was just the day I was interviewing, uh, I was interviewing Max Cavalera, the day the pandemic was announced and we're just sitting there on his bus. We're like, okay, so are we still doing this? You know, and we still, and like the next day, everything, everything, it was one after another, then the NBA shut down and like all these sports leagues and everything else in between. And like, like I said before, we're all at home. Does this pandemic, now that you're home, does it open up new things for you? Personally and artistically, that you may have not noticed about yourself before, before because I know you're you're into sci-fi, you're, you're into fantasy reading, movies, video games. Like, what new things did you maybe discover about yourself?
0: Um, I mean, not too much about myself, but definitely discovered Twitch.
1: Oh yeah, awesome. a lot of people have done that actually too.
0: And uh, and I love it, and I I absolutely love it. I spend more time on there than I do watching Netflix. So it's um. <laughs> It's awesome. And I and and I I had been streaming for a little while there when I had the time, but this just this last month has been absolutely crazy. Um way 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 too much to do for the record release. So, I haven't been able to stream, but I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun and I and I, I love it as a medium for hanging out with our fans. Um just kind of play video games and and chat and talk about the record or talk about whatever and and uh, it's really awesome. I I mean, it's like you know, one of my favorite things and it definitely got me through quarantine. It got me through this whole thing so far. Um and I you know, I found a lot of cool creators on there that I love to watch. And uh it's yeah, and Discord is a new thing now for me. Yeah. I have, I mean I again I haven't had a lot of time to hang out on there, but when I you know, when I can, I pop in there and I say hi to everybody and I try and keep up on the conversations and stuff. And it's like, it's such a, such a cool platform and it's so much better than, I don't know if you would even call it social media. I don't think it is. It's, it's like a, it's literally a discord and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I like it so much more than Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's just, it's so much more personal and, uh, there's, yeah, it's just, it's, definitely yeah been the thing that got me through for sure yeah that it's whole definitely community
1: yeah yeah it sounds like a refreshing platform that everything you just mentioned because facebook and you know even instagram is just saturated with so much information that's being thrown at us left and right but i'm glad you were able to you know make utilization of these other platforms that were you were able to you know be productive and not feel like we're all stuck in a rut you know which you know it's easier said than done you know when it comes to getting out of this mess and trying to get out of this mess that we're all in mm-hmm. you know and with Unleash the Archers, you know, we talked about touring just for a little bit. You know, 13 years, you know, when you guys first formed, you know, back in 2007, I believe. And yep. you guys played a lot of festivals, a lot of shows. You guys played the 70,000 tons of metal, I think, just recently, about, I think, last year? Yep, year last before. January. And you guys had that Dragon First Tour that, you know, fortunately got cut short. You you were scheduled for the Bloodstock open air this year with, you mm-hmm. know, Judas Priest, Behemoth, Towns, and a lot of influential artists. I want to follow up by saying, you know... What was your favorite part about touring? Because now you're kind of taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the tour life? Because we're talking culture, the fans, even the food. You know, there's so many things to pick apart about, you know, when it comes to touring life. What was your biggest takeaway from that now that you're where we're at right now? You know,
0: well, I always loved to tour. It was always the best part. It's um, it's kind of the reason why why we do this because we get to get out there and hang out with all of our fans and um the best part is definitely those few minutes that you have up on stage hanging out with everybody and doesn't matter if it's a opening 30 minute set or a headlining hour-long set or whatever you got up there that's it's my favorite and um and I just love sharing our music with everybody and you know looking at the beautiful faces of everybody in the front row and everyone's singing along and everyone just having a really good time and all the smiles and laughs and it's yeah being up on stage there is like the 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 whole reason why i'm here and yeah i mean it's really cool to get to see new places and travel and see all the sights and yeah try amazing food and um You know, a different venue every night is always really exciting. But the best part, by far, is getting to be on stage and spending time with fans. That's, you know, absolutely number one. I'm a really, actually quite introverted person. And that changes the second I step on stage. I'm just like this whole different human being. And then for a couple hours afterwards, as well, I tend to be, like... I don't know, it's weird. It's like like you're on some kind of drug, you know. And then I settle down I get back into my you know my little space and um and I hang out on the bunk and wait for the next day to come it's just it, yeah it's absolutely the best touring is the best
1: man uh no I can relate to that because you know I used to go to a concert like I was never not at a concert you know because not but now it's like I've, it's been six months since I've been to a concert even six months when i I'm going to see a new movie just just to put that out there because it just doesn't feel normal. And I'm a movie buff. So I know you are, too. too. And uh, We'll talk about it in a second. You know, and (laughs) uh, so here is a very popular topic that's been a part in, in my show for the last few months. And you've seen this. You're doing this this weekend live streaming. It's been a very popular thing that a lot of Uh, artists are, you know, taking to and the way to interact with their fans. And I think uh, Code Orange, I don't know if you saw this, Code Orange was like one of the first bands to do this. Like they did the concert in an empty venue, then they streamed it for the fans. I don't know if you saw this. It was like the two days right after the pandemic was announced and everything shut down and they did that. You know, I wanted to ask you because considering all the, you know, the live presence that, you know, how that is very important part of who you are. Do you think the quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now, do you think that's going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over?
0: Uh I mean maybe some, some of them might, but I know I don't want to. I want to get on the road. I want to <laughs> go see people in person, you know. I want to I want to hit that stage and and feel that energy. Um when we recorded the European Metal Festival Alliance Set it was just us in our jam spot like playing to cameras. Yeah, I saw that It was really weird and like it's cool and yes I want to give the fans something, you know to tide them over basically, but I I, You know, I honestly can't say that once touring is allowed again. I'm gonna ever do a live stream unless I have to (laughs) Cuz I want to yeah, I want to come see your smiling faces. I don't want to play to a camera. That's not I mean, it's it's not why it just doesn't just doesn't do it for me and I don't know if that's kind of an asshole thing to say but I am I don't want to sing to a camera I like I like hanging out with my fans (laughs) and yeah
1: um, yeah there's there's no there's no right or wrong answer to this and and that's definitely not an asshole thing to say it's it's your perspective it's what you've experienced you know on the road and it's of course I have the you know, ability and the freedom to mosh in my own room if I want to, but it's different <laughs> if I see, you know, Britney and company like unleash the archers on stage, as opposed to seeing you guys on screen. And I, I, that's why it's such an important thing because you don't know if, you know, let's say you guys do a festival overseas or a festival here. We don't get a lot of festivals in the States, but you know, you guys do a show here and then you could sell like a ticket, for example, to somebody who doesn't have ease of access and they can tune in that way. I mean, that's, that's probably a, a, uh, you know, a point of reference where a lot of bands have taken advantage of now maybe can use it towards in the future, but you nail it on the head It's you know, the live presence is that much important because it's a part of what makes the band. There was a band I interviewed recently where they released a new album and it didn't feel complete because they didn't get a chance to present it to the fans in person. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so i so i I get exactly what you're saying and uh we'll talk about abyss i promise right now i know we've covered so many things you know (laughs) this is your fifth studio album and already five records in coming out you know august 21st on napalm records you know i can't wait for this personally and this was recorded in january in denmark and it was done in march correct
0: yes yep
1: yeah and there's no obviously there's no pandemic protocol like okay if there's a pandemic, this is what we're gonna do. Like this, 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 this you know, it's it's different because every band is into this now. Now we're like, okay, next time a pandemic happens, let's see what we can do. Hopefully, you know, God forbid that happens. Right. And this was the follow up to 2017's Apex and Abyss. Like Apex is a concept album, correct? Because you had, you know, characters like the immortal and the matriarch you know, there's so much lore into that, which, you know, that's a whole different episode by itself. We can just discuss that. But
0: <laughs> yes. yep. Yeah. Yeah,
1: really I want to I I go back four years ago to 2016, because that is when you actually finished. You guys actually wrote the record, you know, Abyss and Apex together. Correct.
0: We wrote the story together.
1: Right. Not the actual
0: albums, like not the so- music.
1: Having said that, how much did things change from when you first started writing on this album to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change? Was there already a specific sound you knew you wanted with Abyss?
0: Not really. I mean, well, actually, I guess, yeah, because in 2016, I wrote the whole thing out as like two two kind of album track by tracks. So I was like Apex, track one through ten, Abyss, track one through ten. Um, Will Abyss was really kind of very um, much just ideas, whereas Apex was quite a bit more uh, fleshed out. And uh, and I was like, okay, here you go, tracks one through ten. This is track one. It's called Awakening. It's this is what's happening. I want it, the listener to feel like this. I want it to be fast. I don't want it to be foreboding. And you know, here's a couple songs that are kind of what I'm thinking, inspiration-wise. And uh, and we just started writing. But we al- we also had a few riffs that came up that I heard and immediately knew they were Abyss riffs, not Apex riffs. Interesting. Because I knew, you know, the records are called Apex and Abyss. Apex is very terrestrial. Abyss will be very celestial. I was like, um, the immortal is, is still very grounded and um, a slave in Apex. And he's experiencing a bit more freedom in Abyss. So I kind of knew exactly how I wanted the records to sound at that time, but it definitely changed as the riffs started to come, and you know, Apex is is I would say quite a bit heavier and darker than Abyss, mm-hmm.
1: and it's yeah. really funny
0: because it, it, the, the, the names almost mean the exact opposite of that you know, Apex you would think high point, light, you know that yeah. kind of top of the mountain type feel and then Abyss you think dark whole um sort of disparity, but it wasn't it was the exact opposite of that because i see abyss as the freedom and infiniteness of space and apex as this you've reached the top of this mountain and where do you go from here kind of a thing so yeah, <clears throat> yeah i mean immediately andrew brought a couple riffs and i was like whoa 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 i was like nope nope that's an abyss riff put it over here that's <laughs> definitely an abyss riff <laughs> put it away and uh let's focus fo- solely on apex right now because we did we we wanted to do them both at the same time but then we just didn't have time to finish them and i i didn't want to rush so we decided to just do apex for 2017 release and um, put everything that we had kind of going for abyss aside until 2019
1: yeah and look it's paid off and abyss i think in another interview you say it was more of a power metal type of record i heard that i was like uh, before you even said that i heard the singles that came out i was like okay this is a little bit more on the power metal side, which I love power metal. Power metal doesn't get enough recognition for, I mean, at least my opinion, you know, because it's such a powerful, powerful subgenre within just the culture of heavy metal. And I think you guys really, you know, just did that, you know, gave it justice, if so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's talk about Jacob Hansen, Grammy nominated producer mixer. He has worked with Black Dally Murder, Delane, Flesh God Apocalypse, Volbeat, Epic, the list goes on. What was it like working with them? Was there a sense of comfortability in the studio knowing his background, where he came from?
0: Oh, well, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually were looking at using him for Time Stand Still back in 2015. But he was booked and we just, you know, he he needed more time and that kind of thing. And we weren't really quite ready um, to, to work with him yet, I think. But I had been looking for someone um, that I felt, could kind of complement our style with 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 their engineering, mixing, and mastering style. And um, so what I did is I was on Wikipedia and I was looking at my favorite records. And I was like, okay, <clears throat> here we go. Who did this? You know, Under the Great Banner by Dragonland. Who did uh, you know that uh, Hours That Remain by Mercenary? Who did?
1: I love that album. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt work. you. I love that album. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I was like, so, and and this name kept popping up on every record. That's like my favorite. It all started with the Living Infinite by Work, and I was just like, Jacob Hansen, who is this guy? And then I was, looked up Dragonline, I was like, Jacob Hansen again. And then I clicked on J- this name, Jacob Hansen, and um, and it came up, and all the stuff on his page was. Mixed and mastered or produced mixed and mastered or engineered mixed and mastered by Jacob Hansen And they were all my favorite records of like all time like the the best front-to-back listens of you know That I've always always loved so I was like well obviously this is our guy and uh, (laughs) So we booked in for apex with him and it was great He was so good and it was he was just so relaxed and we had three weeks to record the whole thing with him and we had everything written and ready to go, uh, so that that wasn't really too much of a problem, but there were parts bits of here and there that were kind of like, "Oh, I don't know, should we do it like this, or should we do it like that?" And we'd ask Jacob, and he'd be like, "What do you mean? It's great? It's fine." He's like, "It's just <laughs> stop overthinking it." He's like, "Just do it that way." or like in the in the, when I was doing the vocals, I'd be like, "Oh, I don't know, I didn't do a very good job of that one. He'd be like, "Yes, you did." He would be like, "It's fine, and he's just so chill and and we just learned to have confidence in his skill that when he says it's fine, you know it's fine. So when we went back for Abyss, it was just like, it was a dream. It was so easy and he was so great and we had a really great time. Lots of laughs and jokes and and experimenting and fun and stuff in the studio. And it was just, it was a great experience and he's, he's just so freaking talented,
1: man. Man, uh, so what challenges did you face this time around with Unleashed the Archers that you, you may not face with Apex or Time Stand Still? And by challenges, I mean like positively, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a few lyric challenges, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, okay.
0: Just some, just so much story to tell and, and so little space to do it, I guess. So there was a couple points where I was just I would come downstairs because we were living in this little house in Denmark and the boys had the first two weeks and then I had the last week. So, of course, I was finishing all my lyrics during those first two weeks. And then uh, I'd come downstairs and I'd be like, oh, this sucks. This whole thing sucks. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know how to say this. I was like, I got I can't figure it out. And they were like, what are you trying to say? And I'm like, yeah, well, he, he's like he's amazing. He's the wind that shapes the land. He's like. He's like, water moving through mountains. And they're just like, so say that. <laughs> and I'm like, fine. And I'd go back upstairs. <laughs> you know, I just kind of spit it all out. So yeah, you know, that, that mean, just
1: means that just shows that you're we're all our you know worst critic. That just oh, yeah. that's totally normal to feel that way. And I, I love that, though, because you have reassurance from a Grammy nominated person. Like, hey, you're good. You're chill. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a few. Th- Things, Yeah, but for the most part, we were like ready to rock. We just couldn't wait to get in there and, and get this album out because we were super stoked on it. And we had really come from a different place when we started writing it. We took six months off at the beginning of 2019 to mm-hmm. uh, just separate ourselves from everything we had done before and get some new influences and broaden our musical horizons and try and put that into the record. And so we were just really, really excited with, um, with what we had written and, and excited to finally hear you know the final product
1: awesome you know soulbound and abyss were the singles that were chosen for this album now grant truesdale said in one of the recent interviews he's done he said these were the safe songs to pick yes why why do you think he said that
0: because they were they were the most (laughs) like apex they were the ones that didn't have too much change they were kind of the they follow our usual structure um we always have like an epic sort of faster catchy simple song and then we always have a what we call a quick banger which is a super fast um not yeah like not overly complicated kind of almost rock infused tune and uh, that was you know abyss and soulbound and also they don't give the story away at all they kind of give you just a little sneak peek into the current circumstances. So we really wanted to start with Abyss because it was kind of like, okay, hey, I'm awake. This is what's happening right now. And then Soulbound was just kind of like, oh yeah, I remember those brothers that got murdered in the last one. Yeah, this is what's going on with them. So it was, um, it didn't give anything away, and uh, we didn't want to. I mean, it's really funny because um, we've got one more single coming out here. It's after the record comes out, mind you. But right. It, um, and it's also kind of our, a uh, safe song and I don't know why, <laughs> why we did that, but, um, That's and okay. it's, it's, um, it's just kind of like, we didn't want to scare people away with the first track because there are some tracks on here that are very different. So, um, we didn't want people to be like, what, where did Unleash the Archers go? And, um and just not even give the record a chance. So
1: yeah, we played it safe for sure. <laughs> I mean, there will always be fans like that, but that uh, interesting that that's, you guys actually went with the singles and those were great too. I just think that even just scratches the surface on the potential of, you know, the musicianship within you guys. Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome. Real quick, how are we doing on time? Are you, are you good on time?
0: I have three minutes before the next interview. Okay.
1: All right. Crap. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last one, last one. Okay. So I know you love sci-fi fantasy reading, all that, um, you know, for the theme, you know, Apex was like the light, and Abyss was the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we talked about the immortal matriarch. And fans who don't know, listen to Soul Soulbound. She did a whole explanation on that. Uh, that uh, video on YouTube. Um, to what level do you like to have a theme for your records, and how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound, or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of the artists, you know, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it but i feel like yeah. there's a specific route that you wanted especially with you know all your records too
0: yeah no it's um it's very important to me i it, it was kind of uh, we tried it out in 2011 with demons of the Waste, and it was very differently done back in that day it was really just kind of like yeah let's write a concept record where every song is a part of a story and we just started writing music, and then like Braden would bring a riff, and I'd be like, "Ooh, that sounds like we're in space." It's like looks like the store is in space, and then <laughs> like it was just kind of like that, and it was very uh, kind of off the cuff. And uh, but I really liked it. I had a great time. I've I've got a really active imagination. I've always been a writer, so <clears throat> after that, I was just kind of like, "This that's way cooler." So let's let's just do that. And then I just kind of decided um like time sense still was a bit more of a of a broader concept it was all the songs were about being uh, an independent band in canada and just kind of different aspects of that life that we were living and so but after that i was like nope you know what i was like full on we're doing concept records and after i wrote apex and it read, it just made the whole process so cohesive i yeah. um i was like i'm never writing anything other than a concept record ever again.
1: <laughs> and I think you should just stick with that formula because it's working. And I mean, a fan over here, you know, it's, and I'm, and you guys are making waves in the metal industry. So that's great. Keep doing that. i um, sorry to keep you, you know, past your no, time. No worries. At, but, it's but my I,
0: fault. I'm a, I'm a talker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good. We both are. There were so many other things, by the way, fifth element is also in my top five of all time. Just wanted nice. to put that out there. Um, yes. You know, I'm going to let you go to your next interview. Hopefully we can do this again in person when you guys are in Dallas just that get you and the boys together. Um, everyone who's listening, you know, Unleash the Archer's fifth album, Abyss, comes out August 21st on Napalm Records. Brittany Slays, thank you so much. Please be safe out there. Take care of yourself. And I'll, I'll see you next time on yeah, here, thanks, all right?
0: Thanks, man. You too. Thank you Appreciate for having- it. We race around the melted of what was once a drum star. You can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or RezaBlade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at fire.